Hello, everyone, and welcome back to User Flows. Uh, I'm your host, Thomas Morell, and this is a podcast where we talk about uh, talk to designers about their journeys into the field, how they got into it, and what they're doing. And so today I'm joined by Sam Harper, a former filmmaker and marine biologist. I'm sure there's a very interesting story there, and turned passionate UX designer. So Sam is a frequent contributor to UX Collective Blog, which is a blog I read often, and is also a UX career coach. And so you can also be seen live uh, mentoring and coaching, teaching UX on your LinkedIn live stream, which is, I think, where I first came across you. And so, you know, welcome to the show. Really excited to have you. And uh, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you for having me, Thomas. Uh, so yeah, a little bit about um, about myself. So I have been, I've been doing UX for over the past four years now. Um, I did transition from, uh, you know, I started in film school and got into marine biology. Really the summary of that is, I think like all of us in life, I just had a case of, I don't know what I what I want to do with myself. So yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, but I had always loved, um, I'd always been a big fan of the ocean and I loved sea creatures and I would always like read the little kids books about like octopus and stuff like that. And, nice. uh, and then eventually I moved up to Alaska. I got a job where I moved up to Alaska to go survey bald eagles. Uh, oh so gosh. I was um, I was doing research up there, but that was around, I was around the age of 26 at that time. And then I kind of hit my quarter life crisis where I was, um, it was just a bunch of things at once, you know, it was the cold, it was the seasonal affective disorder is the fact that I had no friends up there. And, yeah. and then I'm looking, I, you know, I looked around in this office that, you know, it was like 50 years old and smelled like mold. And there's like, all my coworkers were at least 10 years older than me. I was like, oh my God, is this the future that I'm setting <laughs> for myself? Um, and of course, you know, it, that was after my bachelor's degree and you have to go get, you know, if you want to make it in that field, you got to get a master's and a PhD and it's a huge pain in the ass. And, um, and at first I was very gung-ho for grad school. And then the longer I'd been out of my bachelor's program, the more I realized that's not what I wanted to do. So then uh, at that point, I kind of, I stepped back and I said, okay, I'm not really sure what I want to do with my life, but mm -hmm. I'm just gonna, um, I'm just gonna, like, give myself permission to, I guess, fail, so to speak. Um, so I just moved back in with my parents, got a job driving a school bus for about a year and a half, and then just kind of explored my passions and, you know, what I was, what, you know, said, like, to hell with um, the the um the social stigma that you have to be out of your house you know parents house at 21 whatever it's just like it's your life you figure it out on your own terms and yeah. uh from there i really kind of i got started figuring out about user experience and what it was and all that stuff and what was great about that is it really allowed me to combine two things that i was really interested in i'm a very creative person but then i'm mm -hmm. also um, of course, like it's, I became a data snob when I went through my marine biology degree because it's, mm -hmm. it's all a science. It's, <laughs> it's all research, yeah. Measuring and measuring and measuring and constantly measuring and questioning everything and remeasuring. And I, you know, I like to think that at first I thought that coming into UX from a marine biology background was a hindrance, but then I've realized the longer I'm in this field, um, I believe that it's a tremendous asset. Uh, I think the reason for that is I, I mean, and this is just my personal, like what I've viewed of people in this industry, but it seems like a lot of them, you know, they'll come from a design background or something. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I tend to see a lot of people who are not like data first and data centered. And I think what UX is, it's really just building off our understanding of the user. And we have to research the user. We have to look at them. We have to, you know, like examine their behaviors and their patterns and everything. So I, I think that it's, it's actually the kind of unconventional background that I've come come from has actually really helped me quite a bit. Yeah, no, I, I bet that's fantastic. And I never really thought about that way. I imagine, you know, people coming from the sciences are very adept at the whole scientific method, which is basically what, you know, research is based around and, you know, come up yeah. with a hypothesis and then prove it wrong. Um, and observation and all that, that's probably a perfect field to come from. I will say there's, there is another thing that I found very helpful from the field I came from. And that's, you know, if you're, whenever you're writing a scientific paper, you're reading scientific papers, like they really, they take a lot of time of really breaking down like the introduction of the problem, like how it was studied. But then I think the big gold nugget that I think a lot of UX projects miss is the um, being like acknowledging the sampling bias. And they usually do that at the end. They say, well, you know, we sampled 500 participants, but in reality, this is where that could have been wrong. And there's always sampling bias, regardless of, you know, you could be doing research for Google and there's still going to be some kind of miscalculation in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they also, at the, at the very end of those papers, they always say, this is the further research that needs to be done. It's never just saying like, oh, I did, I, I just interviewed five people because, you know, Nielsen Norman group said so, and we're going to call it good. It's like, no, this, your, your UX project is never fully done. Um, And I think acknowledging where it needs to be built off from here is one of those big things that we as UX designers need to do. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. No. And so I mentor students at springboard.com. And one of the things I've noticed is the students, once they get to the analytics kind of chapter of the course, for lack of a better word, is they get very nervous and they're totally not into it because a lot of them come from a design background mm-hmm. and then they take a look at Google Analytics. They're like, oh, I don't want nothing to do with that. <laughs> and so yeah. and I, don't, I mean, I feel like when it comes down to that, there's really nothing. To, there isn't. I don't think there's really much to be afraid of in terms of numbers. Uh, I mm-hmm. think it's just it's just that, you know, people are un, they can be unfamiliar with it. Um, but I mean, honestly, I'm not the best with numbers either. I got like, <laughs> first time I took pre-calc, I got a D in it. So I'm not, I'm not a, a genius or a prodigy in, in numbers, but I can still respect and understand, um, mm-hmm. why, you know, like the significance that they can tell. And I think what's especially important is when I like to do, I know I'm going on a big tangent here, but no. like when I like to Great. do quantitative research. I always like to combine the qualitative research when, where I'm interviewing someone. So, you know, Thomas, I'm interviewing, or you're interviewing me, but like we're talking, I get to, you know, I get to figure out what your hobbies are, uh, how you're using this, this site or this piece of software, um, you know, what you normally tend to look for. That gives me a lot of personal data as far as firsthand what you're doing. But mm-hmm. then I can't measure, I can't interview a thousand Thomases. I can yep. interview five of them at a time realistically. And then I can have the other thousand just go through, um, you know, we just measure you through uh, Google Analytics or some something that allows you to track a much bigger yeah. sample 
exercise. So I think in that regard, it can it can be very helpful. I think as you know, if you have a basic understanding of statistics, it can go a long way. So you can yeah. understand where you know where think where um, actions are insignificant and where they're statistically significant. Yep. Yeah, that's perfect. And I always, um, the way I explain it to the students when it comes down to that is, you know, the data is going to tell you what's happening, but then you'll have to go out and talk to people to find out why it's happening. Yeah, exactly. That's a really interesting perspective. And um, uh, yeah, I remember my marine biology course, because uh, I was really <laughs> interested in it as well. And once I saw all the science and math involved, I was like, nope, I'm going to art. <laughs> yeah. So that's what, that's the track I took anyway. What is the kind of the biggest mind shift you think you had to make going from, you know, working in Alaska to now working on UX projects? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, you know, I would say that, um, you know, when you are a researcher, you know, really what you're, what you're trying to do is you're trying to look for, uh, you're trying to kind of like understand in, it's this incredible, like insurmountably complex thing that we call nature, or, uh, you know, you're trying to understand like why this animal interacts with this plant species, or you're trying to understand why, um, you know, when you, you combine these two chemicals, why do they react in this certain way? And what can you harness with that? Um, but you know, really what it comes down to it, it's basically, it's glorified UX and vice versa. Um, you're really just asking, you know, you're asking questions because there is some something that's not understood. And, you know, if you don't have a product already, then you're understanding the problem and how that translates into a business case. If you do have a product, you're trying to understand how your customers are interacting with it and how, um, you know, how, how things are not working. So it's like, we're all kind of scientists in that way. Um, I think, you know, probably in, at least from my perspective, I think the first thing is to, um, to really understand that, you know, I mean, yes, we are scientists. I think even just knowing, uh, knowing this, you know, understanding the scientific method that you're setting a hypothesis, you're collecting data, you're, um, you're doing your study where you've got a control and you've got several variables. You're observing that you're trying to understand, you know, where maybe the, the study was not as accurate and you're retesting until you can get accurate results and then build on that. Um, uh, you know, again, that, that's just what made that's, I feel like what has really shaped me in UX. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm like, uh, I wouldn't call myself a visual designer. I would say like, I like to think about the the problem first. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I, I like to say that um, I, you know, you, you could dress if, if we don't understand the problem, like you can dress up a turd with UI all mm -hmm. you want with visual design, but it doesn't make it any less of a turd. <laughs> Absolutely. I like that analogy. That's, that's good. And I, I was just speaking to a guest whose show actually hasn't come out yet, but he um, built a number of different products and his advice is, you know, don't just jump into solutioning right away. Like really right. deeply understand the problem space first. 
So I guess you're also doing some work with a company called Conscious Career Shift. Is that right? Yeah. So that's just, that's a side, um, essentially coaching business that I am, it's, it's basically my own, my oh, own okay. personal coaching that I do. Um, but you know, it's, it's been fun. Um, I would say I'm still building it out. It's not like perfect or, you know, entirely ready by any means, but it's, it's been a, a slow work in progress. No, that's fantastic though. I think it's a great space. It's a, there's a lot of room for opportunity for people to move into this career field. So, and I think that's why I started mentoring students. I've seen a lot of people, you know, have the interest, but then get a little bit intimidated by, you know, the really super expensive bootcamp courses and also going back to university. So I think that's a great idea. Um, and I didn't realize that was your thing. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I guess, you know, what I, we this is a little bit of a tangent, but related to, uh, I'm, I'm saying this because, you know, when I was first getting into UX, one of the first things I thought was I need a master's degree in UX. And I quickly learned you don't need a master's degree in this field at all. <laughs> and I mean, if anything, I think that um, you're probably at an advantage starting out, not doing that, just getting into the field. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I wrote an article about that and everything, but um, yeah, just if you're getting into the field, there's, there's definitely faster and simpler and easier ways to do it. Right on. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I don't have a degree in it and I wouldn't recommend unless somebody hasn't gone to school yet, then maybe yeah. it's a good idea. I mean that, or if you want to be a UX researcher, it can help. But I think yeah. again, if you build, if you, if you decide you get into UX and then you do it for a few years and then decide later that it makes sense in your career to do it, then mm -hmm. go for it. But I say, you know, don't put the cart before the horse. Yeah. <laughs> so as you mentioned, you have been writing blog posts, you're doing the LinkedIn live stream. Um, what prompted you to kind of, you know, start all these different you know, side projects and to put yeah, out content so like that? This goes back to Jan right around January of 2019. Uh, at the time I was, I was working at an agency over in Eastern Tennessee. Uh, it was my first UX job. And I really just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to like write about my experiences in UX. Um, I wanted to talk okay. about, you know, the perspective of somebody who had been in the year in the field for a year, uh, what I had learned along the way and just kind of like share it with people. I've always seen myself as a mentor in that regard. And I didn't expect too many people were going to read it. I just thought I was just writing it for myself and mm -hmm. published it on Medium. And the exact opposite of what I expected happened. It blew up and went completely like I was, it was getting shared on sites that I had never even heard of. Um, <laughs> That's and fantastic. It was getting shared on Facebook and Reddit and like everywhere. And, uh, and then I had a bunch uh, what I also, I had done uh, in just, just from like understanding copy, copywriting and marketing and stuff. I actually put a link at the end of my article uh, actually before I published it for people to connect with me. I thought maybe, you know, a couple people would connect, but after it went viral, like I had honestly probably about five people every single day reaching out and being like, Hey, I read your article on, um, the, well, specifically the article was about, it was called your UX bootcamp will not get you a job unless you do these critically important steps. And so I was pretty much just talking about how, um, 
yes, a bootcamp can help, but it's really not everything. And I think that for the people who do enroll in a bootcamp, they kind of set this expectation of like, I'm going to put all my weight on this program um, and expect that it's going to get me a job. And that's not really how it works. And so that's basically what the article was about. And after that, I realized that, you know, even for someone who had only been in this field at the time for a year, uh, I had something valuable to share with people that a lot of people actually found Absolutely. So I thought, okay, I can start writing other articles. And so I did. And of course, some didn't do as well as others. Um, but then I wrote another article. And again, same thing. It went, I wasn't expecting it to go gangbusters yeah. viral. was, And that was my uh, 10 sobering realities every brand new UX designer needs to accept. So funny enough, it seemed like it was basically like a big like slap in the face uh, clarification because like, you know, you'll, people will go to these boot camps and say, oh, it's, it's going to be like going to Disneyland. I'm going to make six figures as soon as they get hired and Google's going to pick me up. I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> and apparently people like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, just, just like from writing articles and just building up this audience over time that I, I almost feel like I accidentally built up. I realized that I had something valuable to share with newer junior UX designers. So that's where I, I eventually started getting into the live streaming and I've just basically built an audience from there. That's fantastic. I love that. That's perfect. And I've enjoyed the live streams and stuff on YouTube. What, what made you do live? So I think I've shied away from doing live just because it's live. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's kind of this comes down to this, this personal development thing that I, I've been practicing, which is to do things that you're uncomfortable with. And Mm -hmm. I would say that I, um, I've been uncomfortable on camera, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously not now. It's like, I can, I can show up live and not have anything planned and just kind of like, just wing it. Um, but it really, it, it was like, you know, a few years ago, the idea of going live and just going live on the internet and talking scared yeah. the crap out of me. Even if I had a script, it'd be like, uh, uh, uh. so I said, you know what? I'm going to kick this. I'm going to just like, I'm going to turn, you know, and I started with like these little exercises where I would, um, I would turn on my, I would pull up my phone. I would record myself talking for three minutes and then I'd share it in this like private Facebook group. And then I'd keep doing that. And then I kind of got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And I was like, okay guys, I'm going to do my first live stream. And I did. And it was absolutely terrible. I kind of like, I bit my tongue and all that stuff, but I got a little bit better and I got a little bit better. And you know, what I will say is, I think that normally people will look at, they'll look at like a public speaker or they'll, you know, I've heard people, people have contacted me and said, Sam, I have no idea how you do these live streams. I would never have the guts to do it. It's like, actually, I know what that feels like, but it's, you know, nobody's born a public speaker. Nobody's born a live streamer. Um, I think honestly, we're all awkward human beings, Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) but it's like, you know, when you're willing to kind of step out of your comfort zone and try these things that you're normally not comfortable with, you're, it's going to gradually, what was uncomfortable is going to get a little bit more and more comfortable. Now it's like, I can go on 
live stream, have nothing planned, talk for an hour, and I know I'm going to be fine. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And you've had some great guests on as well. Um, yeah. I had Joe Natoli on a, a, as one of my latest episodes. That it was so humbling to talk to him. Yeah. It, it's fun when you get people who are just super smart and super kind of, I would say, almost like light years ahead of you. Right. You're talking to them like you're almost it, it almost feels good when you're a little bit nervous to talk yeah. to the person that you're talking to because it makes you yeah. you know try that extra bit. And, you know, that's exactly why I'm doing this, because I wanted to become better at public speaking and doing those things. I felt like it was a you're doing a great job so far. Thanks. Thanks. It can be <laughs> nerve wracking, but it's, it's fun so far. It's also you get to connect with really cool people. So since yeah. the pandemic started, <clears throat> you know, there is no networking. So doing this kind of thing is a perfect way to meet the people that you see and kind of appreciate and, you know, kind of form that relationship. So it's been fun. yeah, love it. What do you feel has kind of been the hardest aspect of working in this field? Uh, so, okay. So <laughs> this is something that I've noticed at every, so I've, I've had three UX jobs so far. I'm still relatively new in my career. You know, I've been doing mm -hmm. it for four ish years. Uh, but what I've noticed at every single job is that um, defining your, you know, when I say defining your role as a UX designer, what I mean is everybody and their mother thinks they're a designer. Uh, if you're talking to the dev team, they're going to try and give you design suggestions. If you're talking to uh, business analysts, they're going to try and give you design suggestions. The you know, the um, QA people are going to try and give you suggestions. The janitor is going to try and give mm -hmm. you suggestions. And I will say, you know, at my first job, unfortunately, I didn't really, I didn't have the mentorship that I really needed. And so mm -hmm. I kind of turned into this, like, ye this weird, like, yes, man, where people would be like, oh, I think I have a suggestion for this and this and this. And I just said yes to everybody. And it didn't do the product any favors. And then it would, you know, and then like, I would get to the point where I thought I had something ready. And then I would show it to people and be like, hey, what do you think of this? And then it would, they'd be like, oh, why don't you do this, 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 this? And it's just like, it was just this never ending cycle where, you know, it wasn't getting done. And I'm just kind of sitting here like, what do I do? Uh, and I think one of the absolutely most critical skills for a UX designer to do, and I know this is uncomfortable, but to put your foot down and to say, uh, not, I mean, say no and not mm -hmm. just, like, no, I'm not going to do that. But um, so like, you know, one example I've encountered in my career is that I was, I was working on this, you know, this, I'm leaving it vague on purpose, but there was this one product I was working on and mm -hmm the dev team showed me uh, in like a mock-up that they made that mm -hmm. it was like, it was, it was like totally out of proportion. It was not what I wanted. And, you know, of course they're thinking in their dev mind. So they're thinking very like in the box rationally. It was like, Oh, mm -hmm. what do you, but it works. Yeah. Good. And I just couldn't, you know, and I was like, guys, this isn't going to work. Um, this modal is not set up the way we need it to be set up. And, um, we, I think what I would like to do is I would like to redesign it to show you guys how I think it should, how it should be laid out. And mm -hmm. so uh, as I'm, I'm going back and forth with them, one of the dev people says, well, I think it's, um, 
I'm okay with whatever you do as long as you don't have to scroll to get to the bottom. You know, it's like we were, it was like a two column and I was like, we need to put it into a one column. And that I realized that was one of those situations where, you know, early, very early UX Sam would have been like, oh, okay. You know, I wouldn't have really asked why we're now the, the way I approached that situation, as I said, uh, and realizing that I'm talking to a developer, mm-hmm. uh, my way of saying no was, is there any kind of specific developer reason, like a technical reason as to why it needs to be two columns instead of one? Um, and that's just my way of kind of subtly saying like, hey, I'm the UX designer. I'm the designer mm-hmm. here. You're the developer. You do your job. I won't tell you how to do your dev work, dev team, you know, your dev job, but don't tell me how to do my UX job. And so I, I kind of put it back in his court. It's like, is there any reason from your end as to why we shouldn't design it this way? And he was like, oh, no, it's just personal preference. And I was like, great. I'm just going to do it my way then. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Yep. It's, it's good to be collaborative, but you have to, you know, make yeah. the final decisions. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, I think that's that's honestly one of the biggest bits of advice that I would give to any junior is learn how to professionally say no and not just say no, just to be a jerk, but, you know, say no for the right reasons, because otherwise everybody's going to try and tell you how to be a designer and you're just going to get like caught in this like this tug of war contest between 30 different people and it's going to go nowhere. Yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things for people to get used to is you really need to grow some pretty thick skin because what we do is visual. Even if you're not working on the final visual design, you're putting up wireframes, you're putting up prototypes, those things, everybody can see it. So everybody's going to comment on it and having the wherewithal to, you know, take those arrows and still, (laughs) you know, stick stick to your guns is is tough. It's a a skill that people have to build up. Mm -hmm. So you did, you wrote another really great article that I had read. Um, where it sounds like you went through a pretty rough time. I think lost a job and then you put out an amazing article and oh, thank you. about the process you took to kind of you know, go about finding a new job, building up the different skill sets. Could you just quickly maybe explain the steps you took to go through that and then now how you got to the point where you're now mentoring people? Like, I just think it's a great story. Can you uh, tell me what the title of that article is? Because I, I put out a uh, bit of it. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm not quite sure. You, I will tell you, you did reference a book that I love, which was uh, What Color Is Your Parachute? Oh, yeah. That helps. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll kind of start in that direction. So, yes, I mean, I think one of um, <laughs> one of the things that I've noticed personally is I feel like cover letters are an absolute waste of time, in my opinion. I think they're they're an old relic of the the sixties and the accountant world. Um, <laughs> not to say it can't be helpful, yep. but the way I see it, because we are designers, you know, we can visually, we don't have to describe that we're good. Like some fields, you know, like a, um, a like an accountant might have to describe like, Oh, well, I worked on, you know, a hundred million dollar accounts. Um, Whereas for us, it's like, we have to show that we're good. Um, so I feel and you know, in that sense that if you can have work that's live, that people can actually see and interact with, mm-hmm. uh, you've got 
you know, you've got your LinkedIn page, you've got um, all these other platforms. Basically, your goal is to kind of be the worst kept secret out there. Uh, so a, a tagline I heard from a marketer that I really liked. So yeah, a good one. I, I just like to run with it. And I think that, you know, in my experience of like, and this is even going back to my, my biology career, but every time it seems like I've spent so much time like writing cover letters and then, you know, with my resume and sending it off and then it just gets auto rejected anyway. And I'm just like, well, screw that. I'm going to, um, I'm going to prioritize it a little bit differently. You know, you kind of say like, yes, you've got your resume, but it's the, it's, it's kind of like just a summary of what people are going to find on Google anyway. And then the second, and then after that, they're going to see things like, uh, you know, they're going to see your portfolio. They're going to see, um, you're going to see your LinkedIn content. They're going to see podcasts you're putting out and articles you're writing and all this stuff. And I feel like that's, you know, that in itself is a, a really big uh, story to tell for who you are necessarily. Um, and I, you know, I would say, um, okay, so I am, I am starting to remember what um, I believe what article you're talking about. So <clears throat> when I, so I actually, I, I was working at an agency here in Salt Lake and mm -hmm. I, around July, of 2020, um, I got a surprise, you know, a, a surprise meeting put on my my calendar that had had uh, my yeah. boss's boss and me, and I was like, okay, this doesn't look great, but I I showed up, and then the HR person jumps on, and they're like, hey, um, we're cutting costs, and your job no longer exists, and it just felt like I got punched in the gut right there. And, you know, I even asked them, hey, why did my job get cut? Like, what was the reason behind this? And then there, it was just, I kind of got this vague non-answer that was just like, oh, uh, it's just people above are shifting things around. So here's your severance pay. Good luck. Yeah. And at that time, I'm like, shit, I've got, um, I've got to figure this out. And, you know, it's whenever you're pushing, put under pressure, you tend to get really creative. Um, so what I decided to do uh, is I was for some of these jobs that I was applying to, I, and I was also reading, uh, reading the jobs to be done book, which if you haven't read it really recommended, it. it's a fantastic book. Um, but I was applying that to my job search and ultimately what, you know, what I, the, I, I got approached by a couple of jobs. Um, one of them is the, Entrada, the company I'm at right now. And I didn't just apply, you know, what I did is I really, from an outsider's perspective, I really looked at what, you know, looked at their business model as much as, you know, as much as I was able to gauge. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, you know, I, I looked at like, who are the customers they're serving? How are they normally serving these, these customers? Um, what potential you know pitfalls are they running into and i kind of created almost like a case study around this where i um i was talking about the the problems that were specific to intrada mm -hmm. uh and i was you know you put it talking about the jobs to be done method and like my thought process for how i would work essentially like talking kind of giving them a 
a snippet of what I would be like as an, and specifically as an Entrada employee. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, when they ask, you know, most companies, they'll just say like, Hey, can you walk us through your, your portfolio? And I said, mm-hmm. and I've got a, a PDF portfolio. So I said, sure, I've got, I'll show you an example of one of the other projects I've worked on. But then on the second half, I was like, Hey guys, just so you know, I created this other thing. Do you want to see it? They were like, Oh, sure. You know, they weren't expecting it at all. This was not something I was asked to do. I did this yeah. on my own. And I just completely went into like, this is how I would go about solving Intrada's problems as an employee. I was already yeah. thinking, like thinking about the end result before I had even gotten the job. And uh, by that, and I did this with this other uh, software consulting agency. And by that time, like these both, both these companies, like they were ready to get in a tug of war contest to try and bring yeah. me on. And Intrada ultimately won. So uh, I think that was, that's, an approach I usually like to take for job hunting. And I think that it's, it's served me incredibly well. Uh, Cause you're not just saying like, this is, this is a project I'm working on. You're thinking more specifically, this is how I would go about solving your business problems. And I've taken time to really try and understand your business problems as much as possible. I can't guarantee it would work for everybody, but it's going to be a lot more. I think it's, it's going to be a lot more effective than just, you know, generally showing a portfolio project. Yeah. And way more effective than a cover letter. So, right. Absolutely. <laughs> I like that. That That's great. I love that. Um, I haven't seen many people do that. So that's going way above and beyond, but in a very good way, like a yeah. way that's going to just totally put you right at the forefront in that interview process. So that mm-hmm. love it. Um, so what would you say to somebody, you know, somebody, a young 20 year old, possibly, you know, marine biology student starting to think, you know, maybe this isn't for me. And they're really interested in UX design, thinking about making the career switch. What would be your advice to them? Oh man, that's awfully specific. So you're asking <laughs> what I would say to a general person in my position or to me? <laughs> <laughs> a general person. Yeah, okay. out there. Um, really, I th- what I mean, I guess what I would say from a very general perspective is. Um, you can't know what you want to do entirely by just figuring it out in your head. That's impossible. You really just have to, it's like, you know, life is really just a big trial and error of trying things and seeing if you like them. Um, So I would say just like, you know, uh, um, hold on to the, what you liked from your previous, you know, what you've discovered you've liked, even going back to like your first, you know, my first job was, I was uh, bagging groceries at a Safeway at 16 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even like in that first job, like, what did you like about that? Um, you know, and then like in my next job, I was working at a Wendy's, like, what did you like about that? And kind of looking at what have you built up over the years that you've realized interests you and uh, like appeals to you in the jobs that you've had. Um, and then just kind of, um, I think you'll get a much better picture if you're able to look at, you know, look retrospectively at that, but then also say, oh, I'm interested in, you know, for when I was trying to figure things out, like I was even looking at like occupational therapies and some of these other things. So I went to like, I, I was over in Colorado and Colorado state has a program. So I went to one of their like occupational therapy seminars, realized mm-hmm. it wasn't for me. That's fine. But I put myself, you know, I, I said, oh, I'm interested in, 
learning more about this passion. Let me go sample it for a little bit and see if I like it. I love that. Love that. I don't even know what an occupational therapist does, but that's all right. They they help people who are injured to basically recover. Oh, okay. So it's like that, like you've got the physical therapist who helps them yep. like regain control of their body. And then the occupational therapist helps them like get back to normal functioning life. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. That would be pretty rewarding job as well. But I understand yeah. if that's not your thing, that's not your thing. Well, so, not that it wasn't my thing, but UX is way more my thing. <laughs> good, good, good. And so where should people go to connect with you? Uh, I would say just, you know, connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm I'm on LinkedIn pretty frequently. Um, I've taken a uh, kind of a, a, a hiatus from posting on LinkedIn for a little while. And that's just because I've been busy with the moving into my new place. But uh, I do plan on producing a lot more content very soon. So yeah, just connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, follow my content and just say hi. Fantastic. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I really appreciate it. And it's nice to finally talk to you in person after, you know, watching a lot of your videos and stuff yeah. online. So really appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Yeah. It's good talking to you too, Thomas. Take care. And that's the show, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. I'll be releasing a show about every other week or so. If you'd like to be a friend of the show, leaving a review and a comment on Apple would be very much appreciated. Share a link to this show with your friends and anyone else who's interested in UX design. Feel free to recommend topics you'd like to hear discussed here. And if you have any questions about design, design careers, or anything else for that matter, you can DM me on my Instagram at userflows.live. Now let's go create.